Good morning and welcome to Over the Target Live. I'm Lee Smith and today we have a really special guest on the show and that's you. Uh, today is a live question and answer show. Um, maybe at some point we'll be using phones for uh, this kind of show. But right now, um, if you send your comments in on the Epoch TV site, or uh, I've got a whole bunch of comments coming in from Truth Social and some from Twitter as well. And uh, I'll be reading them off and responding. And uh, please feel free to keep uh, to keep responding yourself on the Epoch TV site over the Target Live. Um, uh, today's show is about, um, I'm, I'm sure many of you have been following, the subject that we're going to be talking about today is the Durham investigation. And as you'll know, um, John Durham came up empty again when Igor Danchenko was acquitted earlier this week on the four counts of lying to the FBI. And my question, our question is, does this mean that Durham is finished? Um, is this investigation finished? Many of us uh, pinned our hopes on Durham's investigation that he would hold people accountable, whether these were the U.S. officials, whether these were um, political operatives that were responsible for the immensely destructive anti-Trump operation that um, destabilized Trump's presidency, that uh, drove a, an enormous divide in our political sphere with this level of corruption. I mean, the madness, the collusion um, and insanity that if you if you were following, unfortunately, if you were following CNN or MSNBC or reading the New York Times, Washington Post or other prestigious news organizations, you saw what was happening. It was collusion, collusion, collusion. And, and, and this went on through the Mueller investigation. And then, of course, it turned to it turned to something else. And that was the first of Donald Trump regarding the Ukraine phone call. So if I think, look, I've been reporting on Russiagate and I've been talking about uh, what's been going on since 2017, actually a little earlier since 2016. And I'm going to explain how I knew what was going on. But first, the important point to make here is that um, is that it is Russiagate that is really at the foundations of what we've seen. Everything that we've seen, that everything that we've seen since. First, I'm sorry, an important reminder. At 20 minutes, we're going to be cutting away. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, we're going to be cutting away at the 20-minute mark to Epoch TV exclusively. And make sure you make the jump with us because we're going to be taking your questions and talking with you today. So again, make sure you make the jump. I'll give you a little bit of a heads up at the 20-minute mark. Again, back to what I was saying. The importance of Russiagate is we saw the uh, we saw the fund structure of the operations that have been going on since 2016, maybe earlier. Maybe we'll find that this sort of thing started even earlier. And what I'm talking about is political operatives, um, intelligence agencies, U.S. intelligence agencies, as well as the media. Uh, it started again with Russiagate. We saw the leaks of classified information in places like the Washington Post, in the New York Times. And these were the 
fundamental press platforms. And we can go to MSNBC and talk about people like Rachel Maddow and how they were driving up the lunacy. But the fundamental operation was through the most prestigious media platforms, formerly prestigious media platforms in the United States, the New York Times, <clears throat> excuse me, and the Washington Post. We saw the different operations that this rolled into because before it got to the impeachment uh, we were looking at uh, when when um, when Bre um, Brett Kavanaugh was nominated as a Supreme Court justice. We saw the operation targeting him, the press, political operatives. Right. We saw it again. We saw it with the Ukraine impeachment. We saw the same sort of thing happen with the uh, with lockdowns. Um, right. We saw what happened with the bureaucracy, what happened with people like uh, Anthony Fauci and Deborah Bricks and the press, the insane amount of pressure, the insane efforts to keep other uh, rational voices out of there and to force different things on the American public. These are all intelligence operations and we continue to see them. This is what January 6th is about. And we've had Julie Kelly on the show before and she's explained this so well. And if we look at January 6th, we can play this back and see how the seeds of this are in Russiagate. Everything from the uh, informants who were out there on January 6th to the way that this has been covered in the media and the way that the Democrats have pushed January 6th. And now it's, this may turn out to be a little bit of a problem for them come election time as January 6th has been their main focus while, um, while they've driven uh, the, in, uh, the economy into the ground and inflation has hit record highs. But this is one of the important things about Russiagate, how we need to understand this. It's not just about the Durham investigation. It's not just about what Robert Mueller did, what the FBI did, what John Brennan was up to, what the press was up to. This is the fundamental structure for understanding what we're up against now. When people talk about uh, the press being biased or the press being too partisan or the press being too ignorant or too naive to go back uh, and rectify their mistakes or return the Pulitzer Prize that the New York Times and Washington Post won for their 2018 reporting. The important point, and I emphasize this every time I speak with people about this issue, is this. It's not that the press is lazy. It's not that the press is ignorant. The press is the outward face of the national security apparatus right now. This didn't always used to be the case. We're all familiar with the fact that the press has historically leaned to the left. That's not what we're looking at now. We're looking at something very, very different. We're looking at the press as being a part of the intelligence community. They're the ones who's putting these operations out there, whether we're looking at um, the effort to hide Hunter Biden's laptop, Remember what happened here? We have the 50 plus intelligence officials who are saying, oh, that's Russian disinformation and how that's pushed into places like the New York Times and CNN and how all of these outfits, including social media, are preventing this real news from getting out there. When the New York Post published it, they blocked it, right? They threw the New York Post, uh, their account off of Twitter. So again, I think as we move forward, this is the fundamental thing to understand. So let's look at some of the comments uh, coming in again on the uh, on the over the target site and also uh, Truth Social. Here's one. 
Um, Ian, uh, this is from Twitter, Ian Martizius. It remains to be seen if there is any accountability for anyone or if, excuse me, I'm looking at the screen. You're going to see a little more the, the top of my head than, uh, than, uh, than you're accustomed to seeing. So excuse me for looking down here. Uh, if or if investigations will continue to be used to gaslight the public while those responsible remain safe from prosecution. Um, that that that's that's uh, a question that a lot of people are asking. And this is a question that people have have uh, have mailed have mailed into us. Twitter, Truth Social here on the over the target site. Look, a lot of people think that the Durham uh, the Durham investigation was a setup from the beginning. It was meant as a cover-up from the beginning. Um, people, you know, the congressional investigators that I've uh, interviewed in the past, that I've worked with in the past, the different people who, who, you know, who really started to, to um, dig into Russiagate, who started to understand what was happening, they had and continue to have a lot of faith um, in uh, in John Durham. Well, we'll talk about that in a little more detail. But I certainly understand why people think that this um, that this looks like a put up, right? And and we have to look at the fact that like well, why did Durham, why um, why did he go after Michael Sussman and then Igor Danchenko, right? And for charges like lying lying to the FBI and um, walking into a, a Washington D.C. jury with a charge like that. Um, it, 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 it it was not. It appeared not to be a very strong case to take into. And lots of people were rightly asking, "What about the FBI? Why didn't they go after people like Andrew McCabe? Why didn't they go after James Comey? Why didn't they go after Peter Strzok and Lisa Page?" I think a lot of people believe that what was going on is they went after Sussman and Danchenko. The Durham team went after Sussman and Danchenko in an effort to get them to talk. Um, to turn on, you know, to turn on people who were higher than them, um, and and uh, <laughs> we see that that didn't happen. Sussman and Danchenko uh, both went in there confident that they could beat the charges. A D.C. courtroom for Sussman and a Northern Virginia courtroom for Igor Danchenko, um, and they didn't give up anything. <laughs> they didn't give up anyone. As a matter of fact, most of the information that we had coming out of this came from uh, testimony that John Durham elicited in this most recent trial, the trial of Danchenko, that he elicited from FBI agents, in particular, Brian Auten. And uh, we did learn a lot, um, which is important, though. I, I, I've gotten into not arguments, but um, there are lots of our, our, our colleagues, lots of our uh, sleuths on social media who've been looking into Russiagate and who provided amazing information, given us great insight into what's going on, right? One of the things that they say is that they, some of them believe that what's more important than going in there uh, with prosecutions is um, to reveal more information so that the American public has a very clear picture of what happened. I'm of the opinion that at least half of the American public has a very clear idea of what happened. Of course, most of these people are Trump supporters, Republicans and conservatives. They understand what's happened. The people who don't understand what's happened are people who tend uh, or people uh, who rely on places like The New York Times and The Washington Post for their media. That's been entirely blocked off from them. I've argued that for the real um, for real understanding of what happened, 
during Russiagate, people have to be convicted because that will require places like the New York Times and the Washington Post to explain why they're convicted. If there's simply a report, even if there's uh, even if a, a report from John Durham is not heavily redacted, and we uh, can assume it, it, it likely will be by the Biden Justice Department. The most important thing, I think, is to have people um, convicted. That's what will break through. That's what will get the press to report at least parts of what actually happened. And they won't be able to block that and they won't be able to censor that. So again, I understand. Um, I, I, I'm as frustrated and as disappointed as, as all of you are. Um, and, uh, you know, the question is, and the question we asked is, will Republican, will Republican legislators be able to pick up the thread here and will they be able to investigate? Uh, will they be able to investigate what's going on? Assuming that Republicans uh, do sweep the Congress and they retake the House, will they be able to pick up the investigation and illuminate what happened? And while they're, uh, if they make criminal referrals, though the Biden Justice Department is unlikely to pay attention or to pick up those referrals, um, the next Republican White House, the next Republican Attorney General is likely to do that. So is that a possibility as well? And that was the main question that we're asking here. So let's go back and and, and get some more of your questions here or comments. Um, here is uh, here is uh, Mizishi. Um would rather have GOP lawmakers appoint a select committee like the church committee to investigate the abuse of counterintelligence. Don't want another set of hearings by Congress as it will be a waste of time. Well, actually, we hear different. Um, that, that's a very good question. Very good point. Um, we hear actually a lot of people on the Hill right now who are talking about things like another church committee. And in fact, that's where both the House and Senate intelligence, uh, intelligence committees come from. They came out of the church committee. Um, I'm researching this, uh, looking into this very, uh, very intensely for an article I'm doing for um, uh, for an article I'm doing for tablet talking about what the church committee looked like and what really happened. And I'm actually not 100% behind the idea of having another church committee. If you look at, if we look at what's been going on, a lot of these features like the foreign intelligence surveillance act warrant, this comes out of the church committee, right? And this is what was used to spy on the Donald Trump campaign. Now, what happened was, is that um, uh, the, the idea with FISA the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act was that there would be some judicial oversight, right? If the executive branch, namely the FBI, uh, an executive branch agency, if they wanted to spy on American citizens, there would be some oversight and that would come from a special judge. What the FBI won on is that the court would be secret. <laughs> so it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be revealed, right? And that's a problem right there, a secret court, Right. And the person who was to be spied on would have no defense. Right. Ex parte. Um, the real problem, what happened here is, and a gentleman, some of you may have heard of him, uh, a, a, a brilliant writer, one of my favorite uh, writers, uh, the late Angelo Codavilla, explained the problem with this. He said that what it what it meant taking this to a court was 
spying would be pre-authorized. There would be very little chance that you would be able to later take this to a court and have any sort of redress because if the FBI took it to a secret court, right, um, and they signed off on it and they said, go ahead, what would be legal, what would be the legal consequences of that? And unfortunately, that's what we saw in Carter Page's case, when in fact the judges turned around and said, look, the FISA warrant was um, intended to stop people from illegal su illegal surveillance. It wasn't intended to it wasn't intended to correct people who were taking this kind of information to the court and did it procedurally correct. So that's a real problem. And I think if we're looking at what's going on, um, if we're looking at taking it into a church committee and we're talking about reforming the FBI, the historical example we have suggests that. It's going to be very difficult to reform these agencies. I think that's where the debate is going, actually, um, whether or not the FBI should continue to exist. And I know a lot of you are commenting on that. I think um, I think it's going to be very hard for a lot of Republican legislators after um, after the uh, after the 2022 midterms to make the case for reforming the FBI. I know that's something people will say in Washington, but if you look at um, if you look at voters, voters are looking at what's happened with the FBI from um, from Russiagate to spying on school parents to spying on dissident journalists, James O'Keefe, Tucker Carlson. Uh, these are our intelligence agencies generally um, to raiding the home of a former president, Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. And this is what the FBI has been used for. They've been weaponized to target one half of the U.S. electorate. So I think there's not going to be a lot of support um, from voters for reforming the FBI. I think a lot of people believe that it's broken and there's no way to fix it. So that's one of the that's one of the problems with the idea of a new church committee, <laughs> the idea that we're going to reform something that has been weaponized to hurt one half of the American public. So let's go back and check out some more comments. Um, well, uh, Ulrike Ruffert, he was uh, Durham, referring to Durham. He was meant to cover up, not expose. They need to start over or forget about it and move on. There is so much current crime going on, it will be hard for them to keep up. Yeah, well, that's part of the popular sentiment here that people think that um, that people think this was not uh, an honest investigation. And you've heard my case. I, 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 I think it, it was. Um, another in October from someone describing themselves as October. This is no surprise. Juries can't care less than the FBI when it comes to crimes against the FBI, like lying confidential um, human sources like uh, Igor Danchenko. If the lie isn't material, there's no victim. The victims of FBI malfeasance, FI, uh, the FISA court can't care less either, or juries will find for FBI because of that. Which victim cares enough? Well, that's a little. I'm going to pull that out a little bit and try to explain it. I think it's a it's it's a good point. The the case they were taking in there, um, that Durham was taking in there, was here these guys Michael Sussman and Igor Danchenko, and we're um, we're charging them. We've charged them with lying to the FBI, and I I, I that's that's not. Uh, I think a lot of juries are going to sit and hear that. And they're not going to think that that's uh, that big a deal. And actually, some of the jury, um, 
some of the jury members from the Sussman trial said precisely that. This is not really our problem if they're lying to the FBI. And uh, again, even though there was a, a jar drawn from a left-wing jury pool, that's a very good point, especially what we saw with um, the information that Durham elicited. I think a lot of people were not feeling very sympathetic that the FBI was lied to. It's um, We're cutting away. Um, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, make sure you make the jump with us. We'll be back in, uh, in less than a minute. See you, see you soon. And make sure you make the jump because you're our special guest and we're going to be reading more of your comments. See you in a Igor Danchenko is allegedly the source for all of these allegations regarding Donald Trump's ties to the Russian Federation. So Igor Danchenko, the primary source for the Steele dossier. There's evidence, in fact, that the FBI knew the story was fake. In fact, that the FBI helped write the dossier. The FBI offered Christopher Steele a million dollars to provide evidence to substantiate the dossier. We realize this guy has left disaster after disaster in his wake. He received 150K from the Hillary Clinton campaign to initially investigate the Trump campaign. It's not just about the out of control, the lawless behavior of the FBI, but it's that Russiagate will continue to expand and these insane January 6th prosecutions will continue to expand. Welcome back to Over the Target Live. Thanks for making the jump with us. We're going back to your comments. Actually, and actually, before we do that, I want to cut away for a second to um, to a video clip of uh, former Congressman Devin Nunes, and of course, he was the one who first started to uncover this. Let's take a look, and we'll talk about it right after we uh, right after it's over. Can we hear this? Okay. I think there's a problem with the sound. Hi, guys. All right. Um, unless we can get that fixed, let me explain what Congressman Nunes was telling Maria Bartiromo. Um, he was saying that what it looked like, what Durham was doing, he was actually prosecuting the FBI with the testimony that he was eliciting. He was actually pointing an under, uh, pointing to and underscoring FBI corruption. And what that suggested was is that um, was restrained from actually going after the FBI, and he had no choice um, but to go after them in that way. That he couldn't prosecute them actually. But what he could do was he could highlight their corruption. Look, this was a concern from the very beginning. And um, and frankly, I think this is one place where we can hold uh, certainly William Barr and certainly John Durham accountable. Look, we understand that there were delays. There was COVID-19. It took them a while. Uh, it took them a while um, to set up the investigation. For whatever reason, they did not have the resources that the Mueller special counsel did. I, 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 I think there's a lot of indication there that, um, you know, a lot of people probably weren't eager for Durham to get to the bottom of things. But look, what we knew is that if Durham did not uh, did not make charges right before uh, before November 2020 or bring them before bring them in the summer, we knew there was a danger of two things. First was um, that if if Donald Trump didn't win, Joe Biden was going to get rid of all these investigations. 
right? Now, after he won, a lot of people said, well, that's too politically charged. I don't think that he can possibly get rid of these investigations. Look, what what appears to be likely and what Congressman, former Congressman Nunes was getting at here is that even though they didn't get rid of these investigations, what Merrick Garland, Joe Biden's attorney general, did was sharply limit Durham's ability to go after the malefactors and alleged criminals. Right? The other thing that we knew what was going to happen, and this goes back to the point I made in the very opening, was that if Durham did not make charges sometime in the summer of 2020, this was effectively going to green light more election interference in 2020. The FBI and political operatives who interfered in 2016, if they were not held accountable for what they did then, people were going to do the same thing in 2020. Right. And of course, we've done reporting. Epic Times has done extraordinary reporting on what happened at the polls during 2020. And um, we've talked about it here on Over the Target Live, whether that was um, w whether it was different press interventions, like keeping news of Hunter Biden's laptop, um, uh, uh, you know, under, uh, you know, under wraps and um, other <laughs> other uh, different techniques and methods to defraud the voting public, we knew that was going to happen if Durham didn't hold people responsible for the previous. Um, uh, uh, do we have, is this, is this video lined up? Should we try it again? Is that why it's there again? Just kind of the final point. We know that there are several high level officials that were involved back in 15 and 16 in this whole conspiracy that are now sitting atop the justice department. One has to begin to ask, why is Durham being allowed to bring the prosecutions that that he should be bringing based on all the evidence that we've seen so far in this trial? So you think that Merrick Garland is uh, putting his hand on the scale and stopping him from bringing these prosecutions? Yeah, look, and I've said this for a long time, many times on your show, dating back many years, that democratic republics don't survive if you have a situation where we have a two-tiered justice system where it appears that the, the Justice Department and the FBI are working on behalf of Democrats and targeting Republicans. And so, you know, I don't know if Durham's gonna be able to, to finish his job or not, but one thing that's gonna have to happen is that there's going to have to be a commission that has, has not been done in a long time in, in Congress. It's gonna have to be created to look at all the malfeasance of the FBI that's not just about the Russia hoax, but something that maybe is similar to the Church Commission, maybe like the 9-11 Commission, you're beginning, because look, if this doesn't happen, the calls to disband the FBI are going to get louder and louder because the, you know half of America cannot live in a system where, where one party's treated differently than the other. Yeah. Are there- um, I think that's it. Thanks. Um, and that's my bet that the calls to disband the FBI are going to get louder and louder. Um, it, it's, and it's going to be very hard for Republican legislators to um, to turn down the volume on that because voters have seen what's going on. And this is part, of course, uh, of what's motivating Republican voters. Yes, of course, uh, inflation, crime, but people are worried uh, people are concerned when they look around again, whether it's whether it's spying on school parents or going after uh, going after the former president of the United States and raiding his home. This is this is the definition 
of of uh, th- third world uh, third world security state uh, activities. So yeah, I think we're going to be looking at uh, a lot more in the coming months. Um, this is from a comment from Truth Social. Um, Ronald Ledbetter, thank you, Ronald Ledbetter. Not by this answering to the question is Durham done. His answer is not by a long shot. He is throwing chum out to expose the corruption in the legal system. Once that is exposed, the frying pan will be prepped for the big fish. I certainly hope so. Um, that's uh, that, that's that that's optimistic and and um, and thanks. I hope so. Um, here is from uh, uh, John Fusco. Uh, done is Durham done. He never got started. Deep state shame from the beginning. Again, it's expressing a. Um, Expressing a fairly common sentiment here. Um, Nana, uh, Nona, 50. He knew there would be an acquittal. No fairness in D.C. Remember, this particular trial was in Northern Virginia, uh, an Alexandria court, which, I I mean, really, probably for all practical purposes, it is more like a D.C. court. Um, His main goal was to get FBI and others on record for corruption, lying, and those at top exposed all on record. Well, that's, you know, that that's a hopeful take as well to get the news out there to show what's going on and voters who are looking for this, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be able to understand what happened. They'll understand what the FBI did. So again, that's another hopeful, um, another hopeful and optimistic take. Thank you. Uh, Nana 50, um, Scottish thistle. Gee, seems like a great time for military tribunals. Seems like our judicial system is far too broken to fix. Maybe we need a different system, you think? Uh, Well, I I don't think we need a different system. I think what's happened is we've moved into a different system. I mean, I've made this case myself. I mean, I think if you look around, it's very hard. Um, It's very hard to escape the conclusion that our constitutional order has been under attack now um, for some time. I mean, we saw what happened during the, we saw what happened not only during the Trump years, but what's happening now, right? We saw um, Russiagate illustrated how, how much of the Bill of Rights, right, was under attack, right? From Russiagate to now, we saw a violation of the Fourth Amendment, you know, protect, protecting one's privacy. Look, they spied on Carter Page, Trump campaign uh, volunteer Carter Page. We see, um, we see right now with January sixth, the First Amendment was under assault. The, the the right to freedom of speech and the right to peacefully assemble. I mean, it's 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 insane what what they've done to a number of the January sixth defendants. They're trying to make them uh, make them renounce, de- denounce Donald Trump, and renounce their support for him, or else they won't let them go. They're being denied. They're being denied bail, and they're also being denied the right to a speedy trial. And of course, we know that the Second Amendment is regularly under attack from the left as well. So it's not. I, I don't think we need a new system. I think we need uh, we need a restoration of our constitutional order. One of the questions is how does that happen? How do we get back there when we see the left um, and whether we want to call it the permanent bureaucracy, the administrative state, the deep state, we see that they've laid waste to this. How do we restore it? How do we save it? Um, Peaches, uh, when can you and the, I I think this is directed at me, 
Um, when can you and the DC people stop pretending that Durham was anything than a cover-up extension of uh, Mueller? Uh, well, uh, again, as I say, people who who have a lot more experience in this and who are absolutely, um, you know, who are absolutely, uh, they, they, they work to expose Russiagate. Right, whether it's whether it's people like former Congressman Nunes, whether it's Cash Patel, and and you know what I described as what they named themselves as objective Medusa in my book, The Plot Against the President. Um, you know, a, a lot of the guys from the objective Medusa team, they had a lot, of, they have continued to have a lot of faith in John Durham, and my understanding is, of course, they're disappointed, uh, hugely disappointed, that their work may, <clears throat> that their work so far has has not been able to hold um, hold the criminals accountable. And that's actually how that's actually how um, plot against the president ends the book um, where Cash Patel is saying, look, we did our job. We uh, they called that objective Medusa because they said there's cash said there's so many different issues here. It's like, you know, it's like Medusa and we have to cut it, you know, cut it off at, at, at the head to get rid of all the to get rid of all the snakes. We have to cut off the entire head. And so the book ends with saying, oh, yeah, we cut off the head. We found out what happened. And we can't talk about it yet because a lot of it's still under classifications. But the most important thing is getting accountability, making the people who are responsible for the crimes and abuses, making them pay for what they did. Um, so, again, these, these folks uh, like you, like me, are extremely disappointed. They have – they had – uh, and continue to have, I believe, a lot of faith in John Durham. Um, the different things that have happened here, it's going to be, it's going to take us a while to unpack uh, and figure out what happened. And look, I, I, I don't mean for this to be a, a, a wake, right? That American, that the American justice system is dead, or that Durham's work is finished. Everything is um, that <laughs> that it's hopeless. I don't mean that at all, right? I believe that between you uh, out there in the audience, between the different people in Washington who are working hard, look, the, the fundamental point of Plot Against the President is this. We all know um, the different people who did bad things, the corrupt. We know about the, uh, the, the, the insane corruption, the, mu the multiple layers and levels of corruption, but there are also people who are out there, who are doing the right thing, who are doing their job, who are truly fighting for the American people, like Congressman Nunes, like Patel, like that entire team, Objective Medusa. There are journalists who are doing their job too. You saw other people who um, who reported on Russiagate, whether it was John Solomon, Molly Hem, Chuck Ross, a whole bunch of people doing absolutely great work. And then, of course, as I always, as I always mention. All of you who are on Twitter, all of you who are on social media putting out information, um, there was, you know, there was undercover Uber, there's Fool Nelson, Technofog. I mean, I'm going to get in trouble if I, if I, if I don't name every, everyone again. Uh, Sham, I mean, just, just phenomenal people. Regina, um, just great people doing phenomenal work. And what does that tell you? That tells you that there is a core, right? A very... Uh, a very important and vibrant core of Americans who care about justice. And one of the most important things to remember is about what we've come to call the mainstream media. It's not mainstream. 
right? The different things that they defend, the different things they promote, whether it's stuff like the, the trans agenda or critical race theory or open borders or no bail, right? That's not mainstream. None of this is mainstream. And we're going to see evidence of that on election day. People don't believe this stuff. They don't like it. The issue is they seem powerful because they are able to project out of their echo chamber, right? That's what's going on. They are not the mainstream, right? You are the mainstream. We are the mainstream. These are people who believe in fundamental American ideas, fundamental American values. So we send lots of the right people to Washington who are working hard. And the important thing to remember is our adversaries are serious and very determined. And um, our struggle to restore our constitutional order it's not going to be over after the midterms. Uh, a Republican victory in the midterms, even a, uh, a, a, a huge red wave, a red tsunami, that's not going to end it. The struggle is going to go on for a while. The important thing to remember is it's a meaningful time and we're involved in a meaningful struggle for the future of our country, right? This is going to go on for a while. This is... Uh, <laughs> What, what, after 9-11, people talked about a generational conflict against radical Islam. There is no generational conflict against radical Islam. Our generational struggle as uh, great American leaders have recognized time and again, the real threats to the United States come from within the United States. And this holds true too, when we're speaking about, last week we spoke with Lee Harris, um, great writer, great intellectual historian. And uh, the big point that uh, that Lee Harris was making was we look around and say, oh, look at the communists uh, or look at the people, uh, look at the fascist who are trying to tear America down or look at the different ideas coming out of the World Economic Forum. No, the fundamental issue is these are all Americans, right? The big problem, I, I agree with you, uh, if you think Klaus Schwab is a bad guy, I agree. The fundamental problem is here inside of America, though. Right. In many ways, the World Economic Forum, it's a fancy think tank with, with a lot of money. But real power, right? Real power comes from state institutions. Our fundamental problem is with what people are doing here in the United States, right? There is a globalist clique. There is a globalist elite. But our basic problem, what we need to solve, is right here inside the United States. And that's our ongoing struggle. Let's get back to uh, let's get back to you and read some more of your uh, comments. Sorry for going on here. Um, big yes, big ears. These Durham losses only accentuate the dishonest and low caliber of judges and juries. There are none so blind as those who will not see. Well, I mean, you know, that's a good point because if you just look at what actually happened, did Igor Danchenko lie to the FBI? Yes, he did. Um, right. I mean, we, we can talk about a lot of reasons why he, why the jury, uh, why the jury failed to convict him. But the basic fact is he lied to the FBI. Should the jury have held him, uh, accountable for lying to the FBI? Yes. But as we talked about a bit before, there are a whole bunch of other things that were going on during that trial. And only, uh, only a part of it has to do with the, um, only a part of it has to do with the jury. Again, I'm trying to imagine if I was sitting in that jury in um, in Alexandria, and I 
and I heard all these different stories about the FBI. And it was revealed that Igor Danchenko had been made a confidential human source. The FBI made him a confidential human source after the F after he told them that uh, that the dossier report, the dossier reporting that he passed on to Christopher Steele was hearsay or bar talk among friends. And the FBI still made him a confidential human source. Now, if I'm sitting here in the jury, I'm thinking, oh, okay, the problem is with the FBI. Right. If I'm honest and I'm sitting in that jury, the problem is with the FBI. It's not with this guy. This guy, okay, he lied, but the problem is with these guys, the FBI. Of course, as um, <laughs> the fundamental issue then is that the FBI was not prosecuted. And that's what, uh, that's what uh, most of you, like me, are upset about. They didn't go after, Durham did not, for whatever reasons, did not go after the high-ranking officials he should have been going after. Um, let's go back to some more. Um, well, Carol Holloway um, says, Durham knows what he is doing. He is, uh, he's badass. Uh, I hope you're not offended. Um, well, that's optimistic. Uh, you know, look, there are people who think that one of that, that Durham may just be holding off during elections and that after, you know, and that after the elections, he'll come back, um, you know, he'll come back and he'll make some more indictments. Uh, we'll see. I think that one of the things we've seen reported is that he had two grand juries um, and one of them has been shut down. So does that mean that there, um, that evidence is still being presented? We don't know right now because one of the, look, one of the things that one of the reasons that people credit Durham, one of the reasons that um, honest interlocutors have credited Durham is because he doesn't leak, right? And uh, the theory has been is that the people who are leaking are the people who are trying to shape information and they're trying to shape it. Um, they were trying to shape this information uh, against Republicans, against conservatives. They leak it into the press and that shapes the narrative there. And the fact that Durham did not leak um, Again, pe uh, people take that as evidence that he is a, he was an honest guy or he is an honest guy doing a tough job. Um, and uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike E um, or Mike Elmore uh, challenges that he or he asks, was Durham honest to begin with? Well, as I said, I think I, I, I think the fact he didn't leak, I think that is evidence that he was um, he was playing it as straight as he could. Um Adam A. Dadere might as well walk away and take a long vacation on the beach. A completely corrupted, broken judicial system won't even find guilt in the most obviously, provably guilty. The founders would be shooting by now. Um, well, as I said, I mean, I, 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 I think our, I think our constitutional order uh, is under attack, is under attack, and I think it's our job to work to restore. Um, to restore our constitutional order. Um, moving down here. Um, let me see. Uh, Big Ragu. Some good comments, but you are all wrong. It has nothing to do with Durham, how good or bad you think he is, or the evidence you think he's exposing or not exposing. It only has to do with one thing, the jury. The juries are all rigged and will never find anyone Democrat uh, D. He tries there guilty of anything. So look, that's a very, that is, that's an enormous problem. And this is an enormous problem going forward. And 
look, this this is another problem. This is another issue why people are going to say the FBI is unreformable, because even if the FBI, even if it were possible to reform the FBI, right, they'll never be held accountable as long as they're weaponized on behalf of Democrats, not in Washington, D.C., right? So they can't be held accountable. That's an enormous issue. Right. So how do you reform an organization that can't be held accountable? Now, you hear different people talking like, well, move them out of Washington, uh, move them to uh, move them to Texas, move them to or forget about uh, FBI headquarters and just make it about the um, nearly 100 different FBI bureaus around the country attached to U.S. attorney's offices. Look, here's one problem with that. We all know what college towns look like. We have college towns spread out all across America. And these college towns do not necessarily represent the uh, the beliefs and values of the people who are around those college towns. But we see what college towns do. They bring these values and they tend to infect these places. So I'm of the opinion, actually, that it's best to uh, cordon off these different ideas, leave them in Washington and don't distribute them, don't disseminate them, don't pollute the rest of the country. You hear different people say, well, we should move the Department of Agriculture out of um, out of Washington and, 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 and move it to Kansas. Like when you move these federal bureaucracies out to the rest of the country, they're, go- they're going to contaminate the rest of the country. So what do you do with the bureaucracies that are the biggest problems inside, inside Washington? That's why I think there are going to be people who are going to be arguing for doing away with some of them. And we see what different politicians say. There's always a bunch of different uh, bureaucracies. People say, like, we should get rid of the Department of Education. And then they always wind up walking it back. Whether it's Donald Trump who's going to be running on the uh, GOP ticket in 2024 or someone else, they are now going to have to be committed. And it's not something that they're going to be saying in debate or something they're going to be saying on the campaign trail. They have to be committed to understanding what's happening in Washington because that is a uh, fundamental piece of restoring our constitutional order. Someone who understands the problems with the bureaucracy is not just targeting specific institutions, though um, (laughs) there are lots, right? I'm sure many of you have been following what the CDC is up to, including this vote now to add the um, mRNA vaccines to the roster of, uh, of recommended vaccines for school children. I mean, this is absolutely insane, right? So it's not just the FBI. There are lots of bureaucracies and Republicans are going to have to have go in there with a plan. It's not just investigations. How are they going to drain money from, from these bureaucracies so they have no choice, right? Look at what's going to happen if, if, if this holds. If they have the mRNA vaccines as part of the recommended roster, there's going to be lots and lots of parents around the country, even in blue states and blue cities, who are going to be pulling their kids out of public schools. We may be about to witness the golden age, as many people uh, have already left public education and are homeschooling or sending their children to um Christian schools or private schools, we may we may see that uh, doubling and even tripling. We may see the golden age of home, homeschooling, the renaissance of homeschooling we haven't seen since the 19th century. So 
um, look, it's important that we look for different opportunities and seize these opportunities. And this is one of them. How do we, um, how do we bleed these different bureaucracies dry that are hurting Americans? How do we get rid of them? Um, uh, El, uh, Elroy, I think. Like Pelosi was off limits on January 6th. Do you think the FBI is off limits for Durham? Um, I think it's different. I think that uh, Pelosi was, um, I mean, it was Pelosi's committee. Pelosi set up the January 6th committee. And obviously we know, we know the different, we know that she refused to take the, um, the extra help offered by then President Trump. And as Cash Patel has spoken about and others have described quite clearly, there's an offer of National Guardsmen. And she said no. She and the Washington Mayor Muriel Bowser said no. So uh, yeah, I think that Nancy Pelosi uh, was not, the committee she set up was never going to go after Nancy Pelosi, right? But I, it's, it's different here with Durham. Um, I, I, I think that... Uh, I think there was different pressure um, coming from the Biden Justice Department. And look, there may have been different pressure coming from William Barr as well, that these are the sorts of things that should be off limits. We don't want to go after uh, we don't want to go after uh, important institutions that we've worked for and that we love and cherish. And this is a very surprising thing, I think to, um, you know, to, to most of you. And it's surprising to me too. I lived in Washington. I don't understand how people can be these, atta this attached to these institutions, right? Um, if these institutions prove corrupt, then that, and you're defending them. I mean, no, I think that I think the wise thing is to distance yourself from this corruption so that you are not soiled by it. But that's not the typical move in Washington. The typical move in Washington is to cover up and say there's nothing wrong with the institution. The institution is fine. So was um, was William Barr uh, a part of this as well? It's a possibility. I think certainly that um, under Merrick Garland, uh, look, remember that Joe Biden Joe Biden's name is on Russiagate documents, right? He not only spied uh, on Michael Flynn, asking to have General Michael Flynn's name unredacted, unmasked from transcripts of intelligence intercepts, right? He was also the person uh, who recommended that General Flynn, uh, Donald Trump's first national security advisor, that he be charged with the Logan Act. Right. Joe Biden's name is on those documents. And look at all the Biden figures, uh, the people in the Biden administration who were part of Russiagate. Right. We go from Jake Sullivan, uh, Lisa Monaco. And of course, there are people all throughout, uh, all throughout the FBI and DOJ. Susan Rice, she was part of it. She was uh, part of that famous January 5th meeting. And of course, she wrote the memo, the uh, the, the CYA memo. Right, protecting Barack Obama, um, and 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 this is actually an important point that we shouldn't lose sight of. Look, I, I, as I said, I've been covering Russiagate for a while, and and we rightly talk about how this started with the Clinton campaign, with Hillary Clinton, uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign. She paid for it, right? She paid for Russiagate. She paid for Christopher Steele. She paid for Fusion GPS. But if we're talking about official uh, official corruption, U.S. government corruption. Remember, the president of the United States was Barack Obama, right? And this, um, 
it was Obama's intelligence chiefs, whether it was Comey, McCabe, John Brennan, James Clapper, right? None of this is happening without an okay from the White House. And we knew the White House knows knew about it. And how do we know? Because John Brennan's memo saying that he briefed Obama, saying that Hillary was running an operation to vilify Donald Trump as uh, uh, having been compromised by the Russians. So Obama knew about it. And I think this is a very important fact to keep in mind. It's, 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 uh, it's easy to forget because we've looked at the Clinton so much. But remember, remember, this was under the auspices of Barack Obama's government. It was Barack Obama who told Donald Trump, right, uh, your two biggest dangers are going to be uh, North Korea, Kim Jong-un, and uh, Michael Flynn. Right. I mean, that's obscene. But that's that's what Barack Obama said. And remember, there were his spy chiefs who were running the show. That's who spied on the Donald Trump campaign. Okay, it's not just the Clintons. It's not just Christopher Steele or Fusion GPS. This is Barack Obama's FBI. Let's go back and and get a few more. We've we've, we've got a little less than 10 minutes here. Let's see how many more we can get through. Um, uh, Catherine Hoffman. My concern is that the Democrats commit all kinds of corruption, yet they are never tried in courts. It is like the Republicans are afraid of them. Will we actually start taking the guilty to court? Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there the, the, the the, the were court cases. There are, um, you know, there were court cases here. Sussman and Danchenko went to trial. Um, and, and, and they were acquitted by, again, they were acquitted by juries drawing from a, uh, from heavily democratic, uh, from heavily de- democratic jury pools. So while I don't think that we should be, um, thinking about moving the FBI out of Washington, what I do think, I think we should find some way, uh, what are the different ways in which they can be tried under different jurisdictions where there's a, uh, a more, um, to use a, a, a phase uh, phrase popular with the left, a more diverse jury pool that's not exclusively uh, or nearly exclusively democratic. How do we get other people uh, on these juries who are not just voting uh, on behalf of partisan or not just deciding on behalf of partisan interest? Um, uh, Acoustic Kitty says, I don't think it's going uh, uh, awry or away. I think the post-trial report is the product to watch out for. Well, um, well, thank you, first of all, Acoustic Kidding. You have a nice comment, too. Uh, sad I'm late, she said. Um, look, I, people have been talking about a, a Durham report for a while. As I explained, as I explained at the top of the show, we certainly want more information. Look, I'm a... Uh, I'm a journalist and I've been following the story for a while. So I want more information to understand what's happening. But in terms of justice, the most important thing is going to be indictments and convictions. Now, with this report, will there be enough information? Will there be evidence that will um, that will be useful in the next Republican administration? With the Department of Justice run by a Republican president, whether that's Donald Trump or someone else, I sure hope so. I think people are optimistic about that too. Um, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to, excuse me, I'm going to look at my phone here and see what we have. Cause I saw some people sending some, we've gotten a lot of stuff off truth social. I saw some people sending in some interesting stuff on Twitter too. Here is um, the dirty truth. Well, Josh, uh, Josh is on uh, Twitter as well as truth social, but I'm just going to read off what he said here on uh, Twitter. Um, 
referring to Durham. If he was prevented from bringing charges, he needs to make it clear with the American people. Um, First of all, Josh, thank you. Uh, And I I just want to say, Josh, by the way, is a great friend and a great guy. And I hope you're following him on uh, Truth Social and Twitter. Josh is a really impressive person. And uh, my family is uh, is very grateful to know. We feel blessed. And uh, Josh, hope you're doing great today. And this is a this is a great point. That if Durham was prevented from bringing charges against the FBI, he needs to make that clear to the American people. Now, maybe that is the kind of piece of in, that that is the sort of information that maybe that'll show up in his report, and that would be very helpful uh, to know if that's the case. Um, let me see. Oh, okay. So here's someone. One flew over USA. Going to be kind of awkward for Senate GOP to investigate their own complicity. Burr is gone, but I believe he is the only one. Well, uh, you have a good point. (laughs) There appear to be uh, different Republican figures who, um, I guess we can leave it at this, they were not helpful in uh, in getting to the bottom of what happened. Look, I mean, we have different Republican senators. Charles Grassley was very helpful. His investigators, um, his investigators were terrific. There was some work that Lindsey Graham did as well. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson has done fantastic work. And so the question is, after these midterms, especially if uh, the Republicans take back the Senate, will there be um, will there be enough pressure on them for do the right to do the right thing? Will they understand that this is fundamental, right? It's not just about Washington. It's not just about the beltway. It is about our constitutional order. And look, there are lots of terrific people there who are doing great, uh, great work in lots of different, in lots of different ways. Um, but you, you um, uh, one flew over. You raise a, you raise a good point, and it's something to be concerned about. Look, one of, one of my concerns is, even with, um, even with a Republican majority. Will Senate leaders, will they go hard on the Biden administration, right? First of all, how many Republicans are going to be in the Senate? Uh, what kind of force will they have? What kind of leverage will they have on uh, on the Biden administration? Look, we certainly hope they have a lot so to uh, uh, to get different to get different things done. Will there be will um, if Kevin McCarthy is House Speaker? Will he press for impeachment? I know a lot of you. I know a lot of Republicans out there. Uh, a lot of Trump supporters are certainly keen for Republicans to repay, repay the favor um, of what Democrats did during the Trump years to destabilize. I mean, it, it wasn't just interfering with the Trump administration. It was destabilizing the, the American government. Um, and while I don't think Republicans want to destabilize the American government, they want some sort of check. We all want some sort of check on the way the Biden administration is moving. So let's get to a few more here. Um, I, I'm looking to see if there's something from um, from our man, Fool Nelson, one of the great investigators. I don't know. Um, Roger Brown says GOP under McCarthy will be spineless. All right. <laughs> um, that's strong. Uh, okay, here's oh, here's something from FOIA fan who's always really good. Making Danchenko a confidential human source seems like it was a cover-up maneuver. Agreed, 100%. Who knew what and when? Christopher Ray, director of the FBI, Rod Rosenstein, William Barr, Matt Whitaker, Michael Horowitz, um, uh, Senate Intelligence, Nunes. Well, I, I 
know. I mean, one of the reasons that they hid, one of the reasons they made Danchenko a confidential human source was to hide uh, to hide him from congressional investigators. And that's, uh, you know, people in the House as well as people in the Senate, too. They had um, no one had any, any idea. There's a lot of information that came out here that people on the Hill uh, in the Senate and in the House had no idea about a lot of surprising stuff. The offer of a million dollars to Christopher Steele to verify the dossier. No, people didn't know about this. Um, but I am writing about that in an article for Epoch Times, which should be coming out shortly. And um, you'll see the article. I think it's an even uh, bigger blockbuster than what's reported. I think what happened here was, is there was an effort to get a Russian oligarch to interfere in the 2016 election. And the million dollars was meant to incentivize, uh, was meant to incentivize that. The FBI was offering, um, was inviting the Russians to interfere in the 2016 election. So please look for that later in the day from Epoch Times. And um, our time is up. Uh, it's been great talking to you. I hope you. Uh, I hope you've had a good time too. And uh, I'll look forward to following your your comments both on Truth Social and Twitter and on the um, and on the Over the Target site. So please keep firing your questions, and I'll try to answer back as much as I can. Um, in the meantime, I want to wish you a great weekend. God bless you. We'll see you here next week, Friday, 11 a.m., for another episode of Over the Target Live. God bless you, and thanks again. I think it's entirely unprecedented. Totally unprecedented. It's never happened before. We've never seen anything like this. It's unprecedented. Because it's never happened in American history, and it shouldn't have happened. And this brings up a larger question because we're in a revolutionary cycle. This is the modern day version of Watergate. To me, it makes Watergate look rather small by comparison. So the whole idea that Biden doesn't know anything is preposterous. It's just not true. Their number one goal, and it has been this way since day one, is to stop Donald J. Trump from being president of the United States. It's political showmanship. I'm not worried about any of it. Donald Trump didn't commit a crime. This is a, a corrupt politicization of law enforcement in our country. The greatest threat to the United States of America is denial. This is the defining moment of the entire Biden presidency. They know it. They're definitely targeting uh, President Trump because they don't want to run for president again. It's, it's that simple. How we act right now will be discussed for generations to come. We cannot deny what is happening to our justice system.